Welcome to the Revelation Project Podcast. I'm Monica Rogers, and this podcast is intended to disrupt the trance of unworthiness and to guide women to remember and reveal the truth of who we are. We say that life is a revelation project, and what gets revealed gets healed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Revelation Project podcast. Today, I'm so excited to put you in touch with someone named Dr. Dane here. Dr. Dane is an author, a changemaker, a speaker, and a co-creator of Access Consciousness, which is one of the largest personal development companies practiced in over 174 countries. For over 20 years, Here has traveled the world, sharing his unique insights on happiness. In his talks and workshops, he uses a set of tools and provides a step-by-step energetic process to get people out of the conclusions and judgments that are keeping them stuck on a cycle of no choice and no change, leading them into moments of awe that they have the power to change anything. So, hey, Dane, welcome to the show. Monica, thank you very much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. I got to tell you, I just read a quote that had my heart just stop, like in that moment of I feel so seen. And of course, it was this one. It was one of the most seductive things in the world is when someone looks at you with no judgment. When that happens, your whole being goes, please don't leave. Please don't go. Stay stay, please. And then you say, are you willing to be that for you? And I just went, I just think that that is just such a breath of fresh air. Well, it's interesting as you were reading it, you know, and I know I wrote it, but as you were reading it, I took a deep breath in, like, yeah, that, yeah, you know, and I, I, we cannot be reminded of that too much. You know, and truly one of the most seductive things in the world is when someone sees you with no judgment and we keep looking for that from the outside world or hoping for it and very seldom receiving it. And yet we never look to how can I be that person for myself? And I think a lot of us get stuck in looking for it from someone else, especially often someone who can't and will not provide it, believing that if we can get them to provide it, then we finally succeeded And it creates this vicious cycle where we're in a constant state of judgment of us because we can't get other people to stop judging. It's so true. And I think so many of us are, it's not necessarily a conscious thing. And of course, your work is also about consciousness and and accessing consciousness, but the symptoms are always there. And of course, what I'm always trying to do is point to the symptoms and help people understand that those are all symptoms of what I call the trance of unworthiness or the symptoms of perfectionism or the symptoms of self-loathing. That, And those are all, if you look at it, it's fundamentally based on judgments. And most of those judgments are things that we've learned growing up. You know, it's strange to me. We live in a world where parents are taught that the right way to be a parent is to teach your kids to judge. And, you know, the idea is teach them to judge right from wrong and good from bad. But what we take away in that is a world in which they can live unjudged and unjudging. And also we take away choice. You know, my best friend, the founder of Access Consciousness, when his daughter 
he had just taken a, a pot off the stove and the fire was still burning and she was going to touch it. And he didn't say, don't touch that, which wouldn't have given her any awareness. He said, if you touch that, it's really going to hurt. And she, as a little kid would, you know, she put her hand close to it and she felt the heat and was like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to choose not to do that. And in so doing, he empowered her with choice, not another thing to judge that you don't understand why it's there. And there's all these ways, I think, that we recognize kind of that, (laughs) those critical parenting moments well after the fact. And even as adults, we're kind of still in that operating system, that already automatic way of being where we're not asking ourselves the questions that I think really start to access our own choice and our different opportunities and possibilities for our lives. So true. And I I would say that that's one of the biggest elements that sticks us is we've gotten away from asking questions, you know, and most of us were made wrong for asking way too many questions when we were kids because we had such a curiosity about the world. But we also recognize that it was the one time if we would ask somebody something, they would actually engage with us. And, you know, uh, you and I both do work helping people and changing their perspectives and ultimately changing their lives and how they show up and how they show up in the world. And one of the, the essential elements in that is for us to start getting back to asking questions. Because anytime you ask a question, you open up another doorway of possibility For every conclusion you have, for every judgment, for every decision, nothing that doesn't match that judgment, decision, or conclusion can come into your world. And a question is the way of undoing that. Something as simple as, how does it get any better than this? When something good or something bad happens, opens a door to more. It's so true. Or what else is possible here that I've never considered? Opens a doors for this benevolent universe we live in to actually show us its benevolence and and show us that there are always other possibilities. I love that. And I'm so curious to bring curiosity to this conversation, of course, is how how did this... Tell me more just about your journey, because I'm imagining that you weren't always like this. Like, What got revealed for you to get to this place? Oh, my goodness. Well, as a little kid, I grew up and I experienced a lot of abuse. I experienced sexual abuse. I experienced physical abuse. I experienced a lot of emotional abuse and invalidation. And yet I was still, even in the middle of being physically abused, I was like, it doesn't have to be this way. And yet fast forward to, I was 30 years old. I was starting my second chiropractic practice and I had, you know, sort of been scooting along the the middle fringes of life, not going anywhere in particular, except I knew I loved being a chiropractor because, or I loved the idea because I really wanted to help people and I wanted to see them create miracles. So here I am, I'm starting my second practice, living in Santa Barbara, California. I've got what everybody thinks is the perfect girlfriend and I am dying inside. I hadn't been happy for the better part of three years. And when I was in chiropractic college, I started my spiritual journey and started being exposed to metaphysics and different things and started being exposed to all kinds of personal development things that I'd never seen before. And I I started doing them because I was so unhappy. I just knew there had to be something else possible. And I would go to weekend workshops and I was literally reading five books. I had five books open that I was reading simultaneously for years. I still couldn't find a way to be happy. And what would happen is I'd go to a weekend workshop 
I would think I found the answer to happiness. And by Wednesday of the following week, it felt like the universe caved in on my head again. So it was literally on a Wednesday after a weekend workshop where I thought I found the answer that the universe caved in on my head. And I went, universe, I'm done. I, if you can't show me a way to be happy, I'm out of here. And all I wanted was to be happy and have a sense of enjoying my life. And a week later, I came across Access Consciousness, and I had a session of this thing called the bars. And it's this really light touch technique on the head. And um, there's 32 points on the head. And all you do is have somebody hold them lightly, and it releases anxiety, stress, and depression dynamically. So I went into this session um, resistant to it because I just wanted to get the heck out of here. And after an hour and 15 minutes, I came out of it with a sense of joy and gratitude for being alive. Mm. And while the girl was doing this session, and I'd never experienced this or heard of this, this technique before that I am now co- have been co-creating for the last 20 years, but while she was doing it, I started giggling like a little kid. I was like, <laughs> and to the point where I couldn't stop laughing. And I got up after an hour and 15 minutes and had a sense of gratitude for being alive. And I looked out at the clouds. I'll never forget it. And I was like, wow, if it feels this beautiful to be alive, I'm in. And so the last, and so it turns out that her stepdad was the creator of access. And I started a friendship with him and we've been working together to do what we can to create a more conscious world and also give people the tools they need to change their lives in the trenches of life not just while you're sitting in a cave meditating um, for the last 20 years. And it's it's been an amazing journey to see what's possible for people. I love too that there's a way that you talk about consciousness from total allowance. And there's this idea of total allowance. And then you also say caring humor and phenomenal knowing. And I'm so curious about that too, because what I hear in that is that it's this idea of like, it actually doesn't have to be so hard. It doesn't have to be this endless quest or meditating in the cave. It can actually come from allowance. That, and it actually does. You know, what's interesting to me is, uh, so we have a definition for consciousness and our definition is where everything and everyone exists and no one and nothing is judged. And that fundamentally is how the universe functions. There is no Mm -hmm. judgment in anything that occurs in the natural world. And yet we, once again, have been entrained to that. And allowance is where everything that occurs is an interesting point of view. And if (laughs) you want to, you know, use a tool for that, you can think about the famous Russian, Justin Ipov, where everything is just an interesting point of view. (laughs) I love it. I love that. And so let me let me ask you a couple of questions here because does someone so access consciousness is I'm making up that it's really available anywhere because it's in 147 different locations, correct? Yeah, it's yeah, we're actually in 176 that I think is up to something like 182 different countries now. And it's available everywhere because there's also a lot that's available online. And we have Uh, something like 10,000 or 13,000 facilitators that do different, different levels of the work, if you will. Some teach bars, like I spoke about some do bars sessions. And then there are other 
deeper dive classes that we give. Uh, we have about 700 facilitators facilitating those around the world. And so tell me more just in, in, just in the realm of, for our listeners, would they need to start by actually getting their bars? Like, like help me understand how somebody would begin to kind of get curious about access consciousness. Well, what I would suggest is go to my website or the access consciousness website and check it out. Or you can go on YouTube. I've got, I don't know, something like 500 videos that I made as a contribution to people because this changed my life so much 20 plus years ago when I came to it, but the tools were not out there in the world. I had to find them in person. Oh, (laughs) oh, the work. And so, um, so that's one place where you could start is on my YouTube channel. My website is like, there's so much that will allow you to get a taste of it, to experience it. And then if it feels light and, and here's a great tool for people, what's true for you will always make you lighter. A lie for you will always make you heavier. So if it has a sense of lightness and, and what is lightness where you just kind of go, oh yeah, that, you know, where it just sort of uh, sits or settles into your world with a sense of ease. And if so, you know, then you could get your bars run and you could go on the journey of doing some of the other classes, or we have a lot of books, you got a lot of audios online. I mean, there, there's so much there. Our challenge is in not knowing how to get people all the material in a way that they can sort of sort through what it is. So, But what I hear you saying is it's not as if the door opens because they get their bars run. It's, yes. it's There's multiple access points to access consciousness, correct? Perfectly put. Awesome. Okay. Now, here's the other... I'm so curious about this piece that you talk about with embodiment, because of course, what you were just pointing to was this idea of like truth and how it lands. Now, in my world or in the world of what I call the trance of unworthiness, I talk a lot about this this idea of women kind of abandoning their bodies at a very early age. And in fact, there was this amazing article that just got published on Fast Company, and it was this study actually of, you know, just this kind of tragic truth around how young girls by the age of 14 have basically stopped using their voice. And what I often am pointing to is this idea of resonance and allowing your body because your body holds the wisdom. And it's this idea of being able to kind of identify truth when you hear it. But there's a way that I think there's some kind of bridge here with access consciousness that kind of makes it possible for women to kind of re-inhabit themselves. And and I don't even know if that makes sense, but I wondered if there's anything there that you could kind of talk about in your philosophy on embodiment. Oh, it makes total sense to me, and I'm glad you bring it up. You know, the idea of re-inhabiting ourselves and also re-inhabiting our bodies, you know, because here's one uh, another concept that may help people give some get some perspective which is if you close your eyes right now or you don't even have to close your eyes and if you're driving please don't close your eyes okay but if it's easier to close your eyes please do it but expand out a mile in all directions and just notice what you notice and now i'm going to go through this quickly because we're actually way quicker than we think we are we think anything energetic or anything that we go to perceive or feel we need to, you know, dive into it and spend five minutes with it. Uh-uh, we do it in, in half a second. So now what I'd like you to do is go out, expand out 10 miles in all directions and notice what you notice there, whatever that is. Now, 100 miles in all directions and notice what you notice there. Now, 1,000 miles in all directions. 
now 10,000, now 100,000. Now, and just notice that you can do that. And, and even if it's very slight, your sense of space or your sense of reality or your sense of something changes. Totally. And so if I asked you to go out a million miles, well, that would be just an extension of that. And what you realize is wherever you go, there you are, but that's your being, not your body. And so could a being that big fit inside of a body this small? And the answer, of course, is uh-uh. Oh, I love that. Cool. I love that so much. It's such a great way to really kind of describe that essence of how we can be these multidimensional beings and how to kind of perceive that. That. And, and you get the recognition then that your body is inside of you. You're not actually inside of your body, but there should be a great connection or communion with you and your body where there is no separation. But what we've done is, is we are continuously, artificially compressing ourselves as though we could fit an infinite being into a body this small, mm. which is one of the elements that takes us away from having the space that we as beings could have with our body. And then the next element that cements that in place is all of the judgments and the right and wrong points of view that we received growing up. And as you're speaking about, women have an experience of that that is extremely dynamic for so many reasons that probably several of them are beyond the scope of today's conversation. But what's even more important than the reasons is what do we do about it? How do we change it? And how do we give people a starting point at least? Because if you give people a starting point, they they will go on the journey. But most of us don't even feel like we know where to start in unlocking this and changing it. And so I'm interested in giving people a starting point where they can at least begin to get a different sense that something different may be possible that this reality that we see with our eyes is such a small part of what reality could be and that we have a choice to choose something different. I'm just going to sit with that for a sec because it's it's really true. It's what you're pointing to is this is this way I think that we get so we we get so caught up in the confusion of like or the overwhelm of like where to begin that it just it just seems kind of hopeless. And you, of course, talk about and I and I heard kind of in some of the, you know, the various media exposure that you've been quoted in, there's actually there was something that you were talking about, about the incidence of suicide and people kind of getting to this place where they just feel so hopeless. That and I, I know that one personally. And if you look at the teen suicide rate, especially around the world, it's skyrocketing. And, you know, then we go, what do we do about that? But it's, it's from that sense of hopelessness. And also, no matter how old you are on this planet right now, if you're old enough to read, you are hearing about being talked to about reading about how we have 10 to 15 years, depending on who you listen to, to reverse the damage that we're doing to our home in order to have a future. And a lot of people don't see the possibility for that, for creating that future. And for me, what I see is the one thing that will truly change the face of the planet so that we can create a sustainable living earth. 
And one of my targets is to create a sustainable living earth for the next 10,000 years or more. The one thing that will change that is actually consciousness. And most people think if my eyes are open, I'm conscious. And a lot of people who have spoken for years about spirituality are having the same conversation, but they call it consciousness now, but it's not a different conversation. It's, it's still a conversation steeped in right and wrong, good and bad. And I'm superior because I am aware of this energy or this color of light or this crystal and other people who aren't are inferior. And those points of view are what are killing us. It's the same thing. And so consciousness where everything and everyone exists and no one and nothing is judged doesn't mean, and when you function from allowance, what we spoke about earlier, interesting point of view, it doesn't mean you're a doormat. It doesn't mean that you can't disagree with something. It doesn't mean that you can't make another choice. It means that you don't fight against what's there to bring something different. It means that you don't try to make something wrong in order to choose something different. Because if you do, you're still stuck in the polarity of this reality. What consciousness is, is the awareness that there is a different choice. What choice would I like to make in the creation of my life? And what choice would we collectively like to make as citizens of this planet moving forward as the reality we would like to create? Yeah. And what I want to add to that is that it, for me, it's like when you get to that hopeless point, it's not because there's something wrong with you. It's because your, your feelings are actually appropriate for what we're, we're often kind of exposed to. Right. But then there's this idea of it's not your fault because you're at this place, but it is your responsibility to now take a step to actually start to move yourself into meeting people who are having conversations around creation and possibility and consciousness. That, and I love that you brought that up. It's not your fault. And one of the things that I've realized is there tend to be two different types of people on the planet. There are folks that are uh, growth aware who are desiring different possibilities. We would perhaps call them the seekers of the world. And then there are those that are growth averse and they're almost like two different species. And so if you look at the world that we live in, the growth aware people, the seekers of the world tend to be in a constant state of judgment of themselves, wondering why they can't fit in, wondering why they can't seem to do money like everybody else. And it's because money doesn't mean very much to them and wondering why they always feel wrong. And then you have this whole other part of the population that is that is probably at least half who are not interested in something different, who are the ones who are consuming the planet for its resources, who are believing that they're right and everybody else is wrong. And so that's this dichotomy that we never recognize exists. We keep thinking people are different in their experience because they're male and female. In actuality, they're more different in their experience because they're either growth-aware seekers or growth-averse non-seekers. And once again, there's no judgment in that. It's just an acknowledgement of that. But it's, it's the seekers that tend to have the level of sensitivity that makes them often feel like they are suffering the pains of the world. And they're the ones that come into a family and try to make mom and dad happy and fail miserably 99% of the time. If the hundreds of thousands of people I've worked with are any indication, and then go into their world with a sense of not being ever able to do anything right enough mm -hmm. to somehow feel okay about themselves. But 
one of the things we found is 98% of our thoughts, feelings, and emotions are things we pick up from other people. So how much of that sense of wrongness is just vibrating in the field around you and you're picking it up and thinking it's yours because nobody ever told you. Yeah, I, I call it the training ground, the places where we kind of get all the bad advice. <laughs> and it's and it's so true. You know, I even think about how uh, religions can very much kind of fit into this. And again, there's there's no judgment, but there's also kind of this real understanding for me around like what works as it relates to what you're talking about in terms of growth aware, growth averse. And when things are kind of put in this binary, good, bad, heaven, hell, uh, it's just, it's like that is the world for a lot of people that becomes their world. And I think what we're pointing to is like, there's this whole other world. If you're willing to kind of cross over into the portal, which I call the places you've been taught not to go, which which are often our our bodies. It's our our sense of of creative expansion, right? All of the things that they say won't make you money. Uh, you know, it's 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 frowned upon, so to speak. I often say that those are actually the portals into joy and fulfillment and happiness. Even I call the mess a portal, meaning the mess of our human experience, because it's not about getting it right. It's like, I think perfection is killing us. Comfort is killing us. And so it's really about starting to recognize that part of the learning and the growth and the expansion is being able to get messy, is being able to not have to be perfect, to learn to laugh at yourself, to bring some levity to your life and to really truly start to take risks on your own behalf. And this is where I want to start heading into self-love with you because it's really where we started this conversation. And I know that so much of this, it's like we're constantly projecting out there, but where I'd like for our listeners to really focus is on the in here. And because we have this wisdom, we have this knowing, but we we've learned not to trust ourselves. So true. And that is, that's, so here's the thing. If you grow up, I mean, if you look at little kids, they don't judge themselves and they don't know how to judge. They don't judge themselves or anybody else actually until we teach them how to judge. So we come in as beings, not judging, and we're taught by everybody around us that that's the way to be. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at that, I mean, if judgment were a natural phenomenon, animals and plants would do it also, but it's not. It's a, it's a mental construct that we have developed. And so in that, whenever you function from a reality that is not yours, it's very difficult to ever have lightness or happiness also because of that idea that what's true always makes you lighter and a lie makes you heavier. And so if we could recognize that this search for perfection, if you look at it, perfection is sort of the ultimate judgment. Mm. Any area we're trying to be perfect, we have to be continuously in continuous judgment of ourselves for whether we're, we're meeting the mark, you know, whether we're matching that standard or not. And we believe that if we can just become perfect enough, then we can finally be happy. If we can just become perfect enough, we can Finally, it's we can finally have permission to like ourselves for a little bit. And yet, what we find is the more you strive for perfection, you the more, number one, you're not even involved in the journey. You're just looking for the destination. And number two, 
the more you realize that you ain't never going to get there. So we need to choose something different. And it does start with us. It has to, because I, it's interesting. I had somebody just send me a quote. They made a meme out of a, a quote from one of the books that I wrote about embodiment, which is interesting that we're having this, this topic. And what it says is, as long as you have any irritation and you've got a problem, it's not about the way others are responding to you or treating you. It's about you being an allowance of them as completely batshit crazy as they are. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, I like to laugh and not take myself seriously because I was never laughing when I was taking myself seriously. And it's so much more fun to be able to have the vulnerability to laugh at ourselves. Oh my God, it is truly the best medicine. In fact, I share a very similar uh, story to yours, you know, just having grown up in a, you know, a really hostile kind of environment in terms of just trauma, you know, and a lot of like, probably inner wounded child, you know, trying to trying to raise children. But the the bottom line for me was just getting to that point where I was just so heavy, like holding the world on my shoulders, and I had forgotten how to laugh. And I, I really, truly had this journey of healing that was so magical. And as part of that journey, I had been uh, introduced to a healer that I would just remember her at one point saying, you know, I looked at her and I was just like, what, what is this? And she just looked back at me and she said, Monica, you just forgot to laugh. (laughs) And it, we just, I started laughing and it was like the kind of laughter that came from my toes. And I, it came from such a deep place. And it, I remember getting off the table that day and it was like, it was kind of like you doing your bars. Like I was like, I felt like I, the world was just lifted off of my shoulders and that came from a huge belly laugh. I love that. Oh, it was like magical. And I've never forgotten since. Every time I feel heavy, I'm like, Monica, you forgot to laugh. I love that. <laughs> and, and, you know, I had a friend, I had my friend Gary, the founder of Access, ask me this question when I was particularly stressed about something. He said, what's funny about this that you're not laughing at? <laughs> I'm like, thank you. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, if it just kind of laughter, brings you back. Yeah. Right? You know, and, and the thing is, the, the difficulty is if you haven't had laughter in your life for a while, you think it's impossible to get to. But it really does not take as much as you think to turn that around and change that to create the space for that in your life. Yeah, it's so true. All right. So I want to kind of like segue, if you don't mind, into just kind of a conversation about the man box and one of the things that you're, of course, demonstrating, and I'm sure, as you know, most of my listeners are women, and they're probably like, where does this type of man come from? And, <laughs> uh, you know, that that is intuitive. It's like, so what I'm really, what I'm really noticing is that you've allowed your feminine energy and your masculine energy. It's not lessening any of your masculine energy, but you've got this way of kind of allowing yourself to really be this, you're demonstrating this integration is what I would call it. Thank you. You're welcome. So what do you want to know? So what I want to know, and I'm trying to find my little note here, but it was something about you had, you had made this point about how men can be both 
it's it's kind of that sacred and that that we can be masculine as well as absolutely sensitive. And so I wanted to just talk about how can access consciousness help men in a way that's unique to men and women in a way that's unique to women? I'm so glad you asked that question. So let me give you the info that I learned over many years of looking at this. So that conversation we were talking about growth aware and growth averse, what we found is there appear to be two groups of people that function like two different species. And the humans are the ones that judge everyone and everything else, and they're right and you're wrong. And the humanoids are the ones that are in judgment of themselves all the time, wondering why they can't fit in, wondering why they can't do it right. And what we found is that humanoid men tend to have the sensitivity, you know, because let's face it, men, there's a very interesting thing that that the world has gotten us to regarding male and female as though as though a man is this, a woman is this, a woman needs to be this to get a man, a man needs to be this to get a woman, or a man needs to be this to be a good man. And those are all inventions, basically, which which takes away what is naturally true for the being. And so when you ask, okay, well, how do you integrate the masculine and feminine? For me, they're not separate. And we would look and say masculine comes from male energy or comes, you know, primarily is exhibited by men. But I see humanoid women exhibiting a lot of masculine traits and it's beautiful to behold. So we we have to look at if a man can exhibit feminine, then the woman also has the freedom to exhibit masculine. And what if those are the things that we have been missing that create such relationship unsuccess here and recognize that this is actually us as beings. And so what I found is there are men who will try to be the stereotypical man like myself, but they don't fit into the box. They don't know how. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't tell you how many times people thought I must be gay because I had a sense of fashion or I must be gay because I was highly emotionally sensitive. And it's interesting because I thought, wow, I'm probably very, uh, there are probably very few guys like this in the world. And what I realize is a lot of humanoid men are like that. Mm-hmm. And so it's not about creating a separation when I say the human and humanoid thing. But if you recognize that, hey, I'm just different, then what do you have as a female that is more of what you would have considered male that you've been suppressing so you can be the right kind of person? And what do men have available, which they've been suppressing so they can be the right kind of person? And this is also where judgment comes in because we're trying to be the right kind of people rather than the people that we are. But then we also have to look at, then we try to go to the other side of proving that I'm only this, I'm not that other thing. So it gets very confusing unless, unless we use as our yardstick, what is true for me that is not true for anybody else on the planet? And what awarenesses do I have that nobody else does? And if I were truly creating my life, how would I desire to be? And then what I do is we have this thing in access called a clearing statement. And I normally don't 
uh, use it on interviews because it's a bit long. So I'm going to shortcut it, but it would seem to me that your listeners might benefit from it. And you can go to theclearingstatement.com or you can go to my website and find it if you want a bigger explanation. It takes about 20 minutes to explain. But one of the things, because for me, I was I sat in so many workshops and listened to so many people where they would have conversations and I would get inspired knowing something different was possible. Mm-hmm. But by the time I left the workshop, I didn't have a way to get there. And so what we do in Access is when we have the conversation and it brings up an energy on something or brings up a stuck place, then what I ask is, will you destroy and uncreate that? Or I'll just say, will you let that go now, please? Yes. And then what, thank you. Okay. So everything that we've talked about that has created confusion in anybody's world, or that wonderful thing that a lot of us seekers have, which is we get really hopeful, but then right after that is a sense of dismal, oh no, I can't do it. So everywhere you bought that you can't do it, will you let that go, please? (laughs) Yes. Okay, so here's the clearing statement. Right and wrong, good and bad, pock and pod, all nine, shorts, boys, and beyonds. Now, that sounds like gobbledygook, but basically it's short form for about six pages of material that was developed over, I don't know, 10 or 11 years, because we found that there were all these different things that if we could address them, would create change a lot faster. Mm -hmm. And so, but if you want to change something, you know how we, in the world, they say cancel clear because it's the only thing people can think of to try to undo what they just said. Yeah. Well, there's POC and POD that you can use instead, or you can learn this whole clearing statement. Once again, it's available for free at the websites I just mentioned. Okay. You can use this clearing statement. And if you use the whole thing, some people like that, but you can just go POC and POD. And POC stands for going to the point of creation of the thoughts, feelings, and emotions immediately preceding your decision to lock this thing in place. Mm. POD is going to the point of destruction. If you destroyed something that was working in order to institute a more limited point of view, but next time something comes up and you want to change it, just go everything that is POC and POD and see if it works. See if it starts changing things. I love that. It's awesome. It's part of the thing that I do with people that I don't ever get to talk about because people get so spun out by all the words and stuff. And they're like, I don't understand. Well, I know, I know. And like words are are so powerful, right? Until they're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's just like, okay. Uh, but what what else I love about what you're pointing to is I often talk about, so in my world, I talk about like the revelation project. One of, one of the rules of the revelation project is you don't do anybody else's project. You do your own. And so- Love that. What I heard you say, which is so great, is you're going to get confused if you keep going out there and allowing the world to define what is. So true. Right. And so it really is about stay in your own hula hoop, you know, do your own project. <laughs> and you, you like, we've got this. If, if you created it, destroy it. But it really is kind of this idea of continually coming back home to yourself. Because the second that we're out there, we're going to get confused. We're going to get, you know, our panties in a bunch. We're going to get wrapped around the axle. We're going to get all the things. And totally invalidated at the same time. Uh, which is no fun whatsoever. True story. And I, probably everybody listening can relate to that. So can we do a couple really quick things on that? Please. That might help change it for people. Okay. So first, 
Oh boy. So first, every point of view you bought about what was right and wrong to be that you bought from your mother before the age of two. Just get a sense of that. Oh my goodness. Mm. And every point of view you bought from your father before the age of two about what was right to be and what was wrong to be. Will you now destroy and uncreate it and let it go, please? Resounding, yes. Okay, so right and wrong, good and bad, pot and pock, all nine, shorts, boys, and beyond. Oops, I forgot I was going to do short. Pock and pock. Okay, <laughs> I'm just so, I've just got such OCD that I always say the clearing statement every time just because I want to make sure, you know? It's okay. Okay, so also now, so everything you've done to learn to be outward focused and outward centered so you were not self-centered and self-interested like you were made wrong for being when you actually were not that will you let that go please <laughs> yep pock and pod all of that now that may need to be oh, run a that. few hundred more times okay yeah, but, yeah like every day maybe yeah that would be a really good one to run every day and also, then all of all of the projections, expectations, separations, judgments, and rejections that have been placed on you by you or by anybody else about you that keep you from being you and enjoying being you as weird and different as you are. Will you destroy and uncreate all that, please? Breathing, yes. Awesome. Pock and Pock pod and pod all, all of, of that. that. Oh my goodness. Well, hopefully that will create a little more space. Yeah. Well, the whole thing creates a whole bunch of space. And I just love, I love learning about these, just these different access points. Again, like what a perfect name for access consciousness, but it's true. It's that there's not one way. There are actually many ways. And what I continually want my listeners to really hear and consider is just that. It's just what resonates for you and and what feels like the next best thing for you to do, the next best step to take. And that there's all of these brilliant minds and brilliant hearts out here and brilliant technologies and brilliant structures to help us unpack this. And so that we can really live our our lives from a place of joy and wonder. And so this whole thing has just been so helpful. And so I want to say thank you so much. And of course, our time is almost up. But what I would love to do is ask you this. What question should I ask you that I haven't asked you? That is a great question. (laughs) Hmm. Maybe, what do I know about the possibilities for future that nobody else seems to believe can exist. Ah, I would love for you to take us on that journey, please. Okay. Well, first I have to say, I totally agree with you. Please follow your knowing and what is next and recognize that with access, you can add it to anything or not do it at all as it works for you. Always your choice. And if we do that, so what I perceive as possible is on a personal level, for people to actually start getting the gift that being them is that they have never been able to even begin to perceive before, where they actually realize that their choice creates, but that they are a unique interaction with the world around us, our families, our communities, uh, countries, 
the earth itself, but actually you're in unique interaction with the entire universe. And to recognize, and also I perceive the future possibility, and this is based on our choice, all choosing what works for us, is a world in which rather than the haters and the fear mongers seeming to be the loudest voices and having the most control, those of us who actually desire a kinder, more creative, gentler, more inclusive world actually head in the direction of creating it. And nobody is excluded. No one is judged. But what it does is it creates a space where anything that is less than that is no longer valued nor valuable and a possibility where we as people on this entire planet can come together as citizens of this planet, not separated by race, religion, culture, country, color, or anything else. Hmm. Makes me really actually emotional. Well, like I really feel that resonating in such a huge way because it's so it's so time for that and i think we're we're what we're seeing is like the perfect opportunity as these systems and structures break down and they are breaking down to really create the world as we want it to be and to do it consciously that and as you said they're breaking down and they always fight harder for control when they're losing it and it's being lost, the the control, the ability to control and the ability to stop possibilities is diminishing by the day. It just is screaming louder as it goes into its death spiral from my point of view. I agree. I, I so agree. It's not, it's not really about looking at it from doom and gloom, but really understanding that it's in its death throes. And so it's screaming the loudest. Yes. Yeah. Well, this has just been amazing. And again, I just wanted you to invite you to tell our listeners again, like just to repeat, where where can they find you? And any last thing that you just want to say to all of the listeners today? Thank you. Um, so you can find me at drdanehere.com and D-A-I-N-H-E-E-R. You can find bars at bars.accessconsciousness.com. And also, you can find me on YouTube, Facebook, and there are a lot of resources out there. And I thank you for even considering checking them out. And I have a lot of free stuff online, so you can check it out and be contributed to for once. And hopefully, it makes you happier, because if you get happier, the world gets happier. And I'm part of the world, so I get to get happier. Mm. And in closing, I would just like to say, what if you truly being you, beyond the judgment with a sense of actually liking yourself and being happy and being a gift are the change, the gift and the possibility this world requires. Hmm. Yeah, that, that really lands and is, that's where it's at. It's, it's really, it's about all of us realizing that we are the gift. We are the gift the world needs. Yes, I am so with you on that. And Let's ask a question. What's it going to take to create that as our world? And what can I be that will contribute? Yeah. What's it going to be that creates that? And what was the last one? And what can I be that will contribute? And what can I be that will contribute? 
Dan, it's been such a pleasure. I really, I just want to acknowledge you from the bottom of my heart. I want to thank you for just your generous sharing with us today and just for your work in the world. It's just extraordinary. Thank you. Thank you so much, Monica. This has truly been an honor and a pleasure. And to our listeners, we'll make sure to put all of these amazing resources in the notes. And until next time, more to be revealed. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, please visit us at jointherevelation.com and be sure to download our free gift, subscribe to our mailing list, or leave us a review on iTunes. We thank you for your generous listening. And as always, more to be revealed.